I'm not here to poke holes in suspended disbelief. Anyway, they see some weird shit. They decide to make a baby. Thou merkin merchant. Who gives a fuck? Oh my god, we're just gonna start calling you Damien Yeltsin's billboards. Well, you know, uh, I really like it here. Uh, it's kind of nice, and uh, it's not as cold as back home, and the soil is a lot better. So yeah, sure, I think we're gonna settle. If I'm a peasant boy who grabs a sword out of a stone, yeah, I'm able to open people up. You will, yeah. Anytime I hit them with it, right? Yeah. So my cleave landing will make me a cavalier. Good day, sir. If Siskel thought it was empty-headed plebeian trash, he was probably <laughs> really good at groove on it. <laughs> because cannibalism and murder. Pull back just a little bit and build walls to keep out the redheads. Authorial intent doesn't exist. Some people stand up and wipe their butts. Some people stay seated and wipe their butts. Like, it just... This is a Geek History of Time, where we connect nerdery to the real world. My name is Ed Blaylock. I'm a world history teacher here in Northern California, currently doing my job over the wondrous magic that is the internet. Uh, and uh, I have a couple of things I want to I want to say at the opening of this episode. Uh, the first one is. I don't know whether I'm proud of myself or horrified that uh, since uh, this Christmas I have managed to turn my wife into almost as much of an addict of Legend of Zelda as I am. Um, (laughs) For our audience, if you hear muttering in the background right now, uh, she's in the process of trying to defeat a mini-boss in Hyrule behind me as we record, and uh, it is not going to plan. Uh, and then beyond that, um, as we mentioned in the last episode, of course, we're recording this, um, in, in the wake of, uh, you know, very, uh, important historical events, the inauguration of a new president, the removal of our last administration who, you know, longtime listeners to the podcast will know we didn't like him. Um, And when that administration came into power four years ago, um, I, in the manner of an ancient Germanic barbarian, took an oath that I was not going to shave my beard until that man left the White House. That man has left the White House. (laughs) And tomorrow... I am going to be shaving off my beard. And now that the moment has come, <laughs> I don't entirely know how I feel about it. Um, my, my wife is now giggling behind me. Um, <laughs> I think rather maliciously, frankly, between you and me. Uh, I have another but, theory about that. Okay. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, so, so she, she insisted, she actually now, uh, decided just like last week that she wants to be the one to hold the clippers, uh, and, and actually, uh, do, do the trimming. So, uh, I've, I've, I've figured out the plan of how we're going to do it. Now, the other thing is I've, I've seen videos, uh, all over the internet of, you know, bearded dads shaving and then coming out of the bathroom after they've done it and their kids they're, they're mm-hmm. little kids, like, not handling it well. Mm-hmm. 
And so the plan is I'm going to do it in stages so that, so that Robert can be there to witness it as it happens. And, um, and, and so I can take photos of, you know, what I look like with, you know, the different facial hair that results. So, you know, the, the first part that's going to go is, is like just over my chin and under my lower lip. So I'm going to wind up having the kind of, you know, split beard kind of thing going on with the handlebar mustache. Mm-hmm. Uh, then, then on, on my cheeks and, and up to my sideburns, it's going to go away. So I'm just going to have the long sideburns and the mustache then the sideburns are going to go and then the mustache is going to go. Okay. And there'll be, and there'll be photographs at each stage. And then when it's all done, I'm going to look like my three year old, (laughs) you know? Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm on the one hand, I'm very happy that circumstances aligned so that I am in fact having to keep my word. Mm -hmm. Uh, cause you know, there was a reason to doubt whether or not that might happen. Um, but at the same time, I'm kind of afraid of just exactly what I'm going to look like when I get done. Mm-hmm. So, so, and, and yeah, and you may, may or may not hear my wife behind me saying it all grows back mm-hmm. and, and it will mm-hmm. <laughs> because, you know, yeah, I'm shaving it all off, but it done, but I'm not, I'm not leaving it off. No. So yeah, that's, that's what I've got going on. Who the heck are you, man? Well, I'm Damien Harmony. Uh, I am a Latin teacher up here in Northern California. Uh, Union rep, uh, department chair for some weird reason. Uh, And uh, just... hear the people sing sing (laughs) the song of angry men. Sorry. That's okay. That's all right. Uh, So, yeah, I I do all those things. Uh, Father of two. Um, I uh, I did not take the oath of the beard. Um, so I was, uh, I just stopped shaving once I got divorced. <laughs> like funny how that happens. And no one was there to be like, I don't like you having a beard. So I, yeah. I grew the beard and I kind of kept it. And then everybody I've dated since then has been only known me with a beard really. Um, which I, maybe that's pulling a different demographic too. I don't know, but could be, Yeah. Uh, but, uh, I didn't ever do the full grow the beard longer thing. Cause mine just gets thicker. Um, just ginger beard. Uh, but, uh, over the last four years, it has gotten gray. Um, and, uh, and during the beginning Hasn't of everybody's though, probably, like, uh, you know, mm-hmm. but hey. during the beginning of COVID, I, uh, I shaved my beard. Um, and I did it uh, one of the nights that my kids uh, were here, and my son came in to wake me up the next morning, and he woke me up, and he was like, he took a few steps back, and he got a big old smile on his face because he it, he wasn't warned, <laughs> you know, <laughs> he was ten, but he was not warned, and uh, I I heard from my kids both that they prefer the beard, which is fair. Uh, okay. and, and also the beginning of COVID was probably smarter of me cause you know, that the quarantine 15, it's only half right. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> I don't have any idea what you're talking about. No, no, it's fine. Uh, so yeah. Um, yeah, I, I'm keeping the beard for, for the same reason that I had a goatee through the first, you know, 20 years of adulthood. It hides the double chin. 
so, uh, but yeah, that's that's what I've got going on. Yes, we have gotten rid of uh, that man and that administration, um, hateful as it was. Um, glad to see it gone. Uh, which I I wonder what's going to happen to our takes on certain things, um, because well, like this how? whole podcast has been developed in the shadow of that administration and in the shadow of the creeping fascism. Um, now grant you, we're still going to have white supremacy and, and hate groups and, and extremists that we can point to as artifacts of the times that we live in. So that'll probably make it easy to analyze things. But, um, you know, we might have to anti-Trump business so long. I don't know what to do with myself now. (laughs) Yeah. Have you considered Uh, dismantling white supremacy? uh, No, no, (laughs) we, we elected an older white guy. Everything's fine. So, but, mm. uh, you know, we were cleansing our palate from 10 episodes of uh, costume fascism. Um, yes. And then we got rid of the fascist costumers uh, yes. in, in, our, uh, in our administration. In, in and our now, now we're statting out fictional characters to hunt down the real badasses that we had um, yeah. back in October of 2019. Um, I believe that's when that was. Oh, yeah, it was. Uh, so last episode, we, we brought in a magic user, um, somebody who does damage per second really well, someone who tracks people, someone who's clearly a consummate healer and an ass kicker, as well as somebody who is a, a runaround bruiser. Um, we have lightning, lightning bruiser. There you go. Use the TV tropes term. Yes. So we have four more characters. What do you have for us tonight, sir? Uh, well, the next one I'm going to bring up uh, is um, kind of kind of a, a, a an outgrowth of our last couple of episodes uh, mm-hmm. before we started doing this. Excuse me. We were uh, talking about uh, cartoon series. Uh, and in in that uh, couple of episodes, we talked about cartoon series that we believed deserved more time or deserved a second chance or a reboot. And uh, one of the series that, that I talked about was Tiger Sharks, mm-hmm. uh, which was kind of an offshoot and kind of set in the same universe as Thundercats. Mm-hmm. And so uh, one of the Thundercats is oh. the next fictional character that I have here. All right. Wiley Kit finally getting his day in the sun. Sadly, no. Oh. No, not Wiley Kit. No, no. Um, the, the character who, um, kind of started me and some of my peers along the path of kind of figuring out why we like girls and that would be Chitara. Uh-huh. Um, now of course in, in the series, you know, Chitara had a pretty limited role because the series was targeted at, you know, prepubescent boys and, so she was, you know, a support character who, you know, was there to maybe catch the attention of, you know, your dad while you were watching the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so, you know, she she kind of got got stuck in in distaff character limbo a lot mm-hmm. of the time. But uh, she was, of course, a a cheetah woman. Uh, you know, with you know incredibly high speed uh, and and a staff. And so I was kind of, you know, I, I got thinking about, okay, so if, if I want to do one of the, one of the Thundercats, who am I going to do? And I figured I'd do Chitara because 
all of the other characters I'd come up with were dudes, and I figured I, I needed to have a female character in there somewhere. Mm-hmm. And um, Chitara immediately leapt out at me, huh? Yeah. As the as the obvious kind of choice for that. I spotted what you did there. Nicely done. Mm-hmm. Good work. I, I'm not even mad. <laughs> um, and uh, so she was actually pretty pretty easy to put together because uh, she's just a monk twenty. Yeah, that just makes sense. Straight up monk. Um, and and uh, she has really remarkable base stats. Mm-hmm. Um, her dexterity is a twenty because uh, I yeah. rolled her as a high elf. Because mm. uh, I'm a little surprised you didn't go to boxy. I couldn't find the stats Back. for him. Oh, okay. I couldn't. Yeah. I couldn't find that, and uh, the bonus to dexterity was just like too obvious to oh, ignore. Yeah. yeah. So uh, high elf, and uh, because of course she was one of the white hats in a in a kids TV series, lawful good monk. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, uh, way way of the empty fist. As mm-hmm. her as her class, uh, so just your, your basic garden variety monk. She opens doors. It's what she does. <laughs> well done. <laughs> uh, which which is an in joke with Damien about a, a convention oh, game he played yeah. years years ago where he was playing a monk and it was like, and it was in three point five. So it was. You mean to tell me I can open the door and stand there? Yes. I can't open the door and move through. No. No, I could open the door and move through. The problem was okay. grabbing the person on the other side, pulling him back, and closing the door. Right. That's okay. going to need to stretch over two rounds or three. Yeah. It's three because, rounds. Because open the door. Because, because three, five. Move through. Next round, grab the guy, move through. Next yeah. round, close Shut the door. Shut the door. Yeah. I'm a monk. I open doors. It's what I do. Yep. Uh. Yeah. So... <laughs> Oh my God! Uh, that's that's one of the illustrations of why uh, three five eventually had to be replaced by something. Um, anyway, so and and now I know I know for a fact there's a percentage of our audience that's going to be like heretic blasphemer, <laughs> and you know that's that's probably it's going to get me more comments on Twitter than anything else I've said ever over the course of the whole podcast. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. Fight me. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, she's she's a twentieth level monk, um, and so unarmored defense and her elvish dexterity plus feats that she's taken means she has a dexterity of twenty, and her wisdom is an eighteen. So her unarmored armor class is a nineteen. Yeah. And of course I took alert because I'm not an idiot. Mm-hmm. So her bonus to initiative is a plus 10. She's not quite where Buffy is from our last episode, True. but she's close. Yeah. Now the real kicker is I was thinking, man, am I going to have to find some kind of magical item to reflect, you know, Chitara? No, it turns out I'm really not. Uh, I just need to take a couple of feats and mm-hmm. be a monk at 20th level. Uh, yeah. Her speed, her <laughs> speed is 70 feet. And it actually gets better than that. <laughs> because, so uh, she has, of course, martial arts. She has 20 mm-hmm. key points. She has flurry of blows, 
uh, patient defense, step of the wind, all all the same stuff that we've talked about with our other monk characters uh, up to this point. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see, where is it? Improved unarmed movement. Um, she's not only that, not only improved her her movement rate, mm-hmm. but as one of her class features, it means she can run along vertical surfaces and liquids as right. part of her movement. So as long as she doesn't end on a vertical surface or a liquid, she can move whatever her movement amount is. So if she does a dash action, she can move 140 feet. On a wall. On a wall. And if she really wants to, she could end her movement on that wall because she's got feather fall, basically, or slow fall. Yeah, well, slow fall, yeah. So it won't hurt her anyway. And given that she's a cat. Yeah. She's going to land on her feet. So mm-hmm. there you go. Yeah. Um, and so uh, as a as a monk ability, she has the tra- tranquility ability, which makes Ooh. her a really useful utility character because like, mm-hmm. okay, we get into the we get into the temple and okay, one of us is going to need to figure out how to get to the idol and you know grab the idol and get away she's like i'll i'm gonna run over the ceiling i can well number one i can just you know (laughs) run run up the flipping wall and do it but on top of that it's no no if we do that before we get into a fight as long as i don't attack anybody Mm -hmm. anybody who wants to try to hit me on the way to it has to make a wisdom save because because i'm just radiating so much fucking zen (laughs) That you can't attack me without making a saving throw. Nice. Uh, and and the save is an eighteen plus. <laughs> so like yeah, that army of mooks. Yeah, good luck with that. Yeah, you're gonna have like one. You're gonna have like one guy who will be able to do it, and I have a nineteen AC. No, they're all gonna they're all gonna try to hit her, but it's gonna turn into they're just gonna try to pet her. Oh yeah, well yeah. Because <laughs> look at her, dude. Come on. Well, I didn't mean heavy petting Ed. I meant because she's a cat. Oh uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, misunderstood yeah. mm-hmm. there. Kind of misunderstood. Maybe I didn't. Yeah. But anyway, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. so um, so she has a flurry of blows. Now, here's the thing. Mm. Uh, monks. Now, at, these are strikes, her... right, Ed? Because I know you're obsessed with her, and so. Yeah, well, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, just yes. making sure. Flurry of yeah. blows is, or strikes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah, her attacks. Okay. So, so. Uh, monks at her level automatically get two attacks when they use the attack action. Right. 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 Now, on top of that, though, flurry of blows means you mm-hmm. can spend a key point and right. make two additional unarmed, unarmed attacks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, mm-hmm. um, you can, anytime you make an attack with a weapon, you get to make an unarmed attack on top of that. So she can she can d- use the attack action to attack twice with a quarterstaff, mm-hmm. make a follow-up open-hand attack, mm-hmm. which I picture being a kick just because of the cartoon. Sure. And then spend a key point to do flurry of blows for two more. So wait, wait, back it up. So she can do quarterstaff hits twice. And then you said she gets an unarmed. She gets a bonus unarmed. Well, that's her bonus strike. action. A flurry of blows would cost you your bonus. So she either has to make that bonus for free or flurry uh, oh, okay. for key. 
I didn't think there was a limit on the number of bonus actions you can make. Yeah, you get one bonus, one, one action, bonus. Okay. yeah, one move. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. Then in that case, okay. so it's, but it's still, still four uh, hits, four, four yeah. attacks. Uh, the quarter staff is one d eight plus eleven damage. Now, and real open... quick, it's also a monk weapon. So, what is her monk weapon damage now? Plus eleven, or or d eight d eight plus eleven. So it's d eights at that point. It's not d tens. Uh, well, her her unarmed strike does a d ten. Right. Well, then it would count as d tens. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, everything is d ten plus eleven points for every hit. God damn. So four hits. Four hits at uh, so that's forty four base and another forty. If you, if we're assuming yeah. maximum damage. Let's yeah. So, so eighty four points of damage. Eighty four points. Around. And that's not critting. That's no crit. Yeah. Yeah, that that's okay. So there was a wrestler who is a huge bully and a prick, and I don't like him at all. His name is uh, John Bradfall, John Bradshaw Layfield. Um, okay. I didn't like his style of wrestling. I don't like all the stories that I've heard about how he was in locker, uh, in the locker room. He was a bully and a prick. Uh, now some people are like, oh, he's he's from the old guard. It's like no, there are people from the old guard who aren't that big of pricks. But he got in a fight with a guy in the '90s, early 2000s, named Steve Blackman. Steve Blackman was a wrestler, and and he just didn't have the charisma, um, but he was a legit martial artist from Hershey, Pennsylvania. And Bradshaw uh, picked a fight with him at the uh, little you know luggage pickup at an airport. And I guess he'd been razzing the guy for a while. And, uh, you know, Bradshaw's a big, tough dude, big, huge Texan guy, 6'5", um, 6'6", 300 pounds, big sucker. Ooh, Ooh. Right. Um, and uh, so he's he's big, he's tough. He picks a fight with Steve Blackman. Um, and the agent, uh, the road agent at the time, finds out later. And he calls him in and he says to the, the, the road agent, whose name is uh, Mr. Pritchard, uh, Bruce Pritchard, who has a wonderful podcast. Um, he says, Mr. Pritchard, I got hit seven or eight times before I even knew I was in a fight. <laughs> So that's the voice that's going through my head when you told me how much damage she could do. Yeah. It's just, Mr. Pritchard. <laughs> I got hit seven or eight times. Yeah. It's yeah. it's like, uh, you know, I'm sorry. I don't think you understand. You know, and and And, and you when, can when you I can was... move, attack, move, attack, move, attack, move, attack, too. So yeah. she could conceivably just plow through four different yeah. people. Yeah, at a and, distance of almost uh, 100 feet. Yeah. So so I want to get into that. So mm. uh, she took mobile as mm-hmm. a feat, which mm-hmm. means she can uh, dash unaffected by difficult terrain. Mm-hmm. And uh, when she attacks somebody, mm-hmm. uh, her target cannot make, as, as we already mentioned with, with one of your guys, mm-hmm. uh, you, you can't get uh, opportunity attacks uh, that turn. So she can run up on somebody one turn and hit them. Mm-hmm. Then the following turn, hit him, and then run away mm-hmm. with no opportunity to attack, no, no, nothing. Right. Um, and and if she really wants, uh, she could stunning strike someone on the move. I mean, yes. that would be her bonus action. But monks yeah. are the ultimate wizard killers that way. Just oh, like yeah. oh yeah yeah, my daughter yeah, like strike. stopped the Sahugan, um, who was going to just do all kinds of crazy shit with magic. She just stood yeah. there next to him the whole time, stunning strike. I'm going to spend all my key. 
stunning strike next round too. stunning strike next round too. and meanwhile my son just destroyed all the suhugan with with like his uh fireballs nice so yeah yeah no um there's there's i don't remember the title of the anime i didn't actually ever really watch it but but Mm -hmm. uh there's there's a kind of kind of loving parody uh anime where where the main character uh has this devastating punch attack Mm -hmm. but in order for him to do it you, you have to call your shots it's, uh-huh. it's it's part okay, part yeah. of the mythos of of, of the show is right. you, you have to name your strike and, mm-hmm. and his it's the he he got hit by a by a an express train and that gave him superhuman that, that gave him his his superpower and so it's the Nakasoni railway punch I like and so it so and so and so he has to shout Nakasoni railway punch and the problem is if he doesn't say the whole phrase before he swings it doesn't doesn't happen. activate. Oh man! And he goes and he goes up against a guy who has a much weaker punch, but all he has to say is mosquito bite, mosquito oh, bite. I love mosquito it. Mosquito bite. I love it. And so, and so that completely stymies him until his girlfriend runs up and just like hits the other guy over over the head with a walk or something. Right. I don't remember. But yeah. And so, <laughs> so this is kind of the same thing. Like no, 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 bath, 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 bath. You know, nice. Uh, the, stunning strike. No, you're not going to cast a spell. Stunning strike. Stunning. Screw you. Stunning strike. So, um, but she has, as I said, uh, tranquility. And and the one that really got me was, mm-hmm. I know I've looked it up before, but uh, because she's 20th level as a monk, because mm-hmm. she, she never multiclassed, she gets quivering palm. Yeah, which is insta kill. Yeah. Uh, yeah, which yeah. is you're at zero hit. If you fail the save, you're at zero hit points. Mm-hmm. And I looked at it and I went, well, okay, if what we're trying to do is we're hunting down and eliminating our historical figures, then I know what I need to take. Oh, my God. Yeah, she's the she's the one that will get to the sniper yeah. in in four rounds because yeah. um, <laughs> the sniper yeah. has like, all the range. All the range. <laughs> um, like you have to get out more mats and tables to, yeah. to put her, yeah. you know. Yeah. But she will get there eventually, and then when she does, it is over. Yeah. Yeah. It's, no, no, quivering palm, here's mm-hmm. the deal. If you fail the save, you're at zero hit points. Mm-hmm. If you make the save, you take 10 die 10. <sighs> if you make the save, mm-hmm. you take 10 d 10. So save for 10 d 10. Yeah. Yeah. Save for an average of 50 hit points damage. Right. Like, holy crap! Yeah. Wow. So, um, evasion. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, no, I'm sorry. Uh, if I if I make the save, I take nothing. And uh, her dexterity save bonus, by the way, is plus eleven. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sorry. You wanted to hit me with a fireball? No, you didn't. No, bite me. Yeah. Uh, um, improved unarmed move, which I already mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, alertness, so her initiative is a plus ten. Uh, deflect missiles, so you know the the sniper can shoot at me on my way in. Yeah, okay, that's fine. Oh wow, cool. yeah. Although that's based on damage done. That is true. So she it's might, true, yeah. But she can still reduce the amount of damage she takes on the way in, and she has one hundred and thirty-six hit points. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but if one know. of those is a magic missile of some yeah. sort or something, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, and and there's also the fact that she has empty body. 
which Ooh. is invisible. Okay, so, yeah, that makes it a lot tougher. <laughs> empty body, and now I'm running at you, and as long as I don't attack anybody, you don't see me. Um, and then, on top of all that, uh, at 20th level, you get perfect self. Right. If you roll initiative and you have no key points, you gain four key points. <laughs> yeah. Oh, hey, I'm out of points. I rolled initiative. I can still quivering palm your sorry ass. Right. <laughs> like, oh, my God. Wow. Um, so, yeah. Oh, and key-empowered strikes. So, mm-hmm. are you undead or something that requires magic weapons? Yeah, I don't care. <laughs> I don't. I just don't care. Uh, so yeah, um, she, she was a lot of fun to put together. I bet. Uh, quarter staff, open hand strikes, and darts. Um, yeah, uh, plus eleven to attack mm-hmm. and uh, d10 uh, plus eleven for each hit. Uh, dexterity of twenty because elf and you know sure. feats. Um, what traits did you give her? What personality? What uh, what background? Uh, background I gave her was acolyte. Okay, that makes sense. Um, and uh, naivete about the outside world mm-hmm. because you know the Thundercats arrived on a starship and they know nothing about the world they've just landed on. Right. Um, hold on, <laughs> I kind of checked the rest of it. Um. She is easily distracted by her flaw is that she's easily distracted by the shiny newness of the world. Okay. Because of, because of being so sheltered. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, her loyalty, her bond is to uh, the other members of her order, which is to say the sure. Thundercats. Sure. Nice. Uh, yeah, because uh, there's there's a very notable episode of of the the show in which they somehow discover a a cache or a, or a gigantic vein of gold, mm-hmm. and there's some kind of magical. I'm trying to remember the details of it. But there's some kind of magical thing about the gold they find that it's 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 you know hypnotic and mm-hmm. and affects them with with you know obsession with it and greed. And she's one of the first ones to fall to it because, you know, girls like jewelry. Right. Unfortunately, you know, like I said, you know, the the show is dated. It was done in the 80s. Yeah. Yeah. So. So there we go. That is is Chitara as a 20th level high elf monk. I like it. Yeah. All right. Well, my first character of this episode, um, I decided that we needed technology. We're going to defeat these people. We need technology. And in order to get to technology, you need to have an engineer. Oh, okay. And in order to have an engineer, you should probably get the best engineer that has ever existed. And that would be Lieutenant Commander Jordy LaForge. Okay. So he is an Artificer 15 Forge Cleric 4. Okay. Uh, and it's only at this moment right now that I realized Jordy LaForge. Yep. Yeah. Uh, his background is guild artisan. Yeah. Uh, he sense. is a, he is a rock gnome. Okay. Uh, personality traits always want to know how things work. Okay. Ideals. Everyone should be free to pursue his or her own livelihood. Very Starfleet. Um, yeah. I owe my guild a great debt for who I am today, the guild being okay. Starfleet. 
Um, yeah. And the flaws always want more because Jordy was thirsty. All right, not wrong. Yeah. Uh, wrong. Let's see. So um, he starts off as an artificer, which means he gets a con and an intelligence uh, saving throws. Very few okay. who get intelligence saving throws. His strength is an eight. It's nothing remarkable. His dex is a 14. Uh, again, no big deal. Khan is a 12. I mean, he's a, he's a pretty standard I serve, but I'm not here to work out kind of human. Yeah. Um, his intelligence is a 20. Reasonably. That yeah. Makes sense. His wisdom is a 16 because okay. he can sense things that we cannot. Um, okay. And his charisma is a 13. Um, so, uh, because over as the show goes, he does get more charming. He does understand things better. Yeah. Uh, well, and, and we get to, I, I, you know, I think it's possible he always was that charming. It's just that as the series progressed and mm-hmm. the friendship between him and data developed, we got to see more of him being yeah, yeah. that guy. Mm-hmm. So his skills are pretty staid. Um, arcana, history, investigation, perception, and religion. Now, under perception and investigation, he's rolling a 16. Okay. So, and all the rest, he's rolling an 11. So, um, and part of it is because I was limited to a certain amount of uh, skills. That he could take. Okay. But yeah. Um Okay, so he he's got Artificer's Lore, um, mm-hmm. which means he has uh let's see, uh Oh, he gets double his proficiency on history rolls, actually. So he gets a uh, he's rolling a seventeen on history when it has to do with magic, alchemy, or technological mm-hmm. devices. Um, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. He tinkers, you know, because he's a rock gnome. Um, yeah. He's got magical tinkering. So with his tools, he can touch an item and it can emit five feet of light, uh, which is dim for another five. Uh, continuously emit an order or an odor rather or a sound mm-hmm. um, for 10 feet. Uh, he could send a message for six seconds long uh, up to 10 feet away. Um, or it could be a static picture, which could include words. Um, now the magic that he has is artificer's magic and Mm. he, he knows 10 infusions and he can have five items infused at any time. Um, and I'll get into his spells in a little bit. Uh, he, um, he gets to add his intelligence to his proficiency mod for any and all attack rolls. So he's attacking with an a plus 11. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Uh, unfortunately, he doesn't really have the capability to do much damage. That's not really his thing. But if he no. needs to, he will He will slap a bitch. Um, so the infusions that he knows. He knows mm-hmm. arcane propulsion armor, uh, boots of the winding path, enhanced defense, helm of awareness, a homunculus servant, Replicate magic item. I had to pull up the replicator. Um, Repulsion shield. Uh, So spell refueling ring. Resistant armor. Radiant weapon. So pretty much I spellified as much as he would have access to um, in in Star Trek. 
Okay. So yeah. he also has right tool for the job. So in one hour, uh, and it can be during a rest, he can create a set of tools. Again, replicating things. Um, he took Battlesmith as his arcane um, aspect. Um, and so he can use his intelligence modifier, like I said, to add it to uh, attack and to the damage. Okay. Um, which means he's doing plus uh, five to his damage. Um, nice. He's got a steel defender, uh, which uh, if you use your mending on it, it actually heals it for damage. Um, oh, nice. Okay. If it dies, you can use your tools to revive it if you get to it within two hours. Um, and it's essentially a construct that's similar to a ranger's uh, animal companion. Um, at some point, he gets an extra so attack. Is that data? Yeah. Okay. Well, no, that's the homunculus servant. Oh. Okay. Yeah. This would be one of the um, what were they called? The exomorphs. Those little things that like floated, and then Data was like, "Oh, they're alive. We can't kill oh, them." Oh. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Or pretty much anything on the holodeck. So. Yeah. Okay. Good point. He's also got something called Arta- arcane jolt, which does four d six damage of force or healing. Ooh. Yeah. Um, his steel defender can actually spell. Yeah. His steel defender can actually deflect an attack. Um, and, uh, his steel defender deals one D four plus his intelligence modifier of damage. And it grants disadvantage to whoever's attacking him. Um, and then, oh yes, his cleric abilities. Uh, let's see. He can channel divinity, obviously turn undead. Mm -hmm. Um, he gets Artisan's Blessing, so he gets an hour-long ritual, and he can craft non-magical items with some metal, up to 100 gold pieces worth of value. That could be a silvered weapon, by the way. Um, okay. And also Blessings of the Forge. He can make one armor or one weapon magical, uh, so either plus one to the AC or plus one to the damage, um, and, and to the hit, uh, mm-hmm. until he long rests again. So he can just say, okay. uh, your weapon's better now. Um, he took observant as a feat. I think you can figure out why. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that makes so sense. yeah, and he also took skilled as a feat. So I gave him okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he has uh, some magical items because I have to account for its Jordy. First yeah. off, he has the eyes of minute seeing, which gives him advantage on investigation. Okay. Secondly, he has the eyes of the eagle. So he's basically yeah. got, you know, um, which gives him advantage on vision. Yeah. Uh, on perception checks. Um, he also has a mithril breastplate. So that brings his AC up to a 16. Okay. Um, he, he has a crossbow. No big deal. But he also has a wand of magic missiles. Which with an odd kind of curve to it. And, mm-hmm. and yeah. Yeah. Okay. Which as you if you recall you can use multiple charges to do bigger damage. So you can yes. set your phasers to a higher Stun, level. kill, yeah, yeah, disintegrate. He also has sending stones, because that takes care of the uh, communicator. communicator. Yeah, okay. Now, as far as his spells go, uh, as an artificer, he gets a bunch of cantrips. Nothing particularly special there. Um, first level spells, he'll get. he's going to take expeditious retreat and detect magic and alarm. <laughs> and I can imagine what that sounds like. Uh, also he takes catapult (laughs) (laughs) 
Nice. Uh, uh, second, he gets heat vision. I just I couldn't not. You, you, how could yeah. you? Yeah. Rope trick, because that's kind of like transporting. Kind of. And arcane lock, because, you know, computer. Doors just exactly. open. Uh, third level, he got the tiny servant, dispel magic, create food and water, again with the replicator. Um, yeah. Oh, fourth level, Mordenkind's private sanctum. Because, okay. again, getting, yeah. Uh, and yeah, the holodeck, and then fabricate. Um, and then he also gets uh, heroism, shield, warding bond, aura of vitality, conjure barrage, aura of purity, and fire shield. Okay. And then he's got, you know, your your standard cleric spells uh, and whatnot. There's nothing particularly special there other than sanctuary and um, locate object. Because computer, where can I find, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so that's Jordy LaForge. He only has 111 hit points. But his job you know, is to make everyone else great. Yeah. He he is the he is the buff master. Yes. The, the okay. So you're already pretty good at this. I'm going to make you better. Yeah. How about you're good at this and you have machines to help you? Yeah. Yeah. Um. And and the thing is, the, the wonderful thing about having him on the team mm-hmm. is he creates a really difficult decision for the strategists on the other side. <laughs> yes. It's like okay. So we need to take him out mm-hmm. because he's making everybody else that much more dangerous. But if we're focused on taking him out, everyone else, we're letting, we're letting them run amok. Yes. Like, like that's, that's in, in, in 40 K that's the best kind of decision you can force your enemy to make. Mm-hmm. So neither of these choices is going to be good. Right. Like, well, yeah, imagine what he's going to do to Riddick's weapons or to Chitara's, you know, weapon. Yeah. Yeah. It just, yeah. yeah. All right. So that's Jordy LaForge. Uh, you know, I, I haven't ever made an artificer and I decided I wanted to have a fictional character who's not a standard hero, who's not a, you know, square jawed, I'm going to, or, or just sneaky, I'm going to kill. It's like, no, no, I'm going to, I'm going to solve all my problems with technology. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. All right. Who's your last one for the night? All right. So my last one, speaking of square jawed heroes, um, my last one is Richard Sharp. Don't know that name at all. Okay. Hold on. Okay. So, um, Richard Sharp is um, a a rifleman mm-hmm. in the Napoleonic British Army. Uh, he is the creation of the British author Bernard Cornwell. Okay. And there's a whole series of novels. Okay. Uh, starting with the first one published is Sharp's Rifles. Yeah, that I've uh, heard of. In which in which he is he he is introduced. He and Harper and the rest of the men in his company mm-hmm. are introduced. They are uh, part of the 95th Rifle Regiment. And uh, he's introduced as a slightly overage in grade lieutenant mm-hmm. in this regiment. And his men don't like him and don't trust him 
because he was he was a quartermaster who just got assigned to the unit before they got sent into campaign mm-hmm. and uh, they are led to understand he used to be one of them. He's a rarity in the British Army. Mm-hmm. He's an enlisted man who's been promoted to being an officer. Nowadays, we call guys like this Mustangs. Okay. Uh, and nowadays in the U.S. Army, that's a sign of distinction because it means you really knew your shit. In the Napoleonic British Army, um, you were looked on as somebody who was jumped up above your station. Mm-hmm. Because officers were supposed to be gentlemen and of a better class. And so uh, if you were a sergeant who had gotten promoted to being a, uh, an ensign and then a lieutenant, then you were jumped up and, and a tall poppy. And so anyway, he, he winds up leading his men out of nearly certain death and wins their undying loyalty and devotion and then goes on to have a series of, you know, 14 more novels um okay and somehow and somehow he and his chosen men managed to be at every major battle of the peninsular campaign of the napoleonic wars mostly because of the intervention of a british intelligence officer who happens to be an irishman named hogan anyway it's 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 a great series okay i i am i am an unabashed fan of the series um, even as I recognize that, you know, many of the books were written back in the, you know, seventies and eighties and they're, they have some problematic kind of story elements, but they're, they're way too much fun. Um, and, and Cornwell, as much as says he was a huge fan of the Horatio Hornblower novels, which are about the Napoleonic British Navy. Right. And he was like, well, I want to read about what life was like in the army. Mm-hmm. And nobody had written those books. And he said, well, I got to do something about that. And so Richard Sharp mm-hmm. uh, is, is his, his character, is his creation. Uh, he is a sharpshooter, which was a rarity. He and his men are carrying rifles. Okay. Uh, as opposed to everybody else in the army who was carrying muskets. Uh, and they are light infantry. They are the ancestors of modern-day rangers and modern-day special forces troops. Mm-hmm. They were employed by the British to be the skirmish line in front of the army. And uh, much like sharpshooters did in the U.S., in the American Civil War, mm-hmm. they targeted officers. And then after the officers were taken care of, they targeted the non-commissioned officers in order to decapitate enemy leadership. And, you know, they, they still, in the 1800s, they still carried a certain level of, of stigma as being, you know, assassins and not, not honorable. Right, right. Um, and so what's interesting about the character of Sharp in the novels is uh, he is not he, – he is, he is a product of his upbringing, and his upbringing was he was an orphan – son of a prostitute who grew up in a bad neighborhood in, you know, early 1800s or late 1700s London. Um, so he's a ranger level 12 because sharpshooter. Right. And a rogue level six because as a youngster, he was a pickpocket. It also will give you the surprise on people. So you do well, more damage. Well, yeah, there might've been taken that into account a little bit too, <laughs> but thematically it just kind of makes sense. Sure, sure. And, um, 
So uh, Ranger 12, as I said, Rogue 6. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, fighting style is archery. Okay. Took the sharpshooter feat, so he has no range penalty. Right. Shooting on range makes no difference. And he ignores one half and three quarters cover. Right. So, no, I don't care. <laughs> yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm rolling to hit, and I'm going to hit you, and you're going to take it and like it. Right. And we're done. Um, his favorite enemies, I, I made him, uh, at first I was going to make him an elf. I decided I was going to stick with making him a human. Mm-hmm. Um, but his favorite enemies are undead goblins and orcs. Um, he has natural explorer, primeval awareness. We've already talked about land stride. We've already talked about, uh, mm-hmm. difficult terrain doesn't affect him. And, uh, he has hide in plain sight. Yes. So if he's perfectly still, he can uh, camouflage himself, and he does not need to have concealment. He can create his own concealment in order to stay hidden. Mm-hmm. Um, with the, I took the hunter archetype for him. So he has horde breaker, uh, meaning when he makes an attack, he can make a second attack within five feet of the first. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, then he has escape the horde, meaning if you try to make an opportunity attack against him, you have disadvantage. Nice. And then, and then at higher level, his ranger ability is a volley. He can spend an action uh, mm-hmm. to make a ranged attack against any number of creatures within ten feet of a point in range. So I look at the map and I pick a point. Mm-hmm. And I can attack with with a ranged weapon. I can make one attack against every creature within 10 feet of that point, as long as I have ammunition to do it. Wow. Ow. Yeah. Uh, He has expertise as a rogue. Mm -hmm. His sneak attack damage is 3 die 6. He has cunning action, so he can hit and fade or hit and hide. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, just like, uh, uh, Riddick, he is the assassin archetype. Mm-hmm. So he has assassinate, uh, and his initiative bonus is plus nine. So he's got a pretty good chance to go first and right. he has advantage on attacks against anybody who hasn't acted yet. And anybody who is surprised, mm-hmm. which is where hide and plain sight comes into account. Any target who is surprised takes an automatic critical hit. Right. Uh, he has alert as a feat. He has the skulker feat, mm. which which ties. I've not in with seen that here very light, often. Light, yeah, no. Uh, which ties in with being light infantry, mm-hmm. uh, and helps out with the you know assassin stuff. And I'm mm-hmm. gonna go look it up here real quick just to explain. Uh, and then uh, resilient. He wound up taking resilient in order to get a. Um, strength saving throw. Okay. Uh, and to increase his strength uh, by a point. Um, so give me a second here while I find feet again. Because Skulker, here we go. You are expert at slinking through shadows. You gain the following benefits. You can try to hide when you are lightly obscured from the creature from which you are hiding. Mm-hmm. When you are hidden from a creature and miss it with a ranged weapon attack, making the attack doesn't reveal your position. Nice. 
and dim lighting doesn't impose disadvantage on your perception checks relying on sight. So, yeah, everything looks light to me hitting you. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm sorry. I don't care. I don't care where you are. I'm going to smack you. Okay. Um, and then since he's a 12th level ranger, of course, he has spells. Uh, the highlights there are Hunter's Mark, obviously, uh, Long Strider, Lightning Arrow at third level, mm-hmm. and my favorite at third level, Conjure Barrage. Yeah, especially with that volley. Yeah. 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 So, uh, yeah. So, so in a cone, I'm just hitting all of you. Yeah. Just take damage. So now the thing is, um, he's really, really, really useful at the other side has mooks. We need to deal with the mooks. Don't worry about it. I've got it. Right. He's, he's, yeah, he's the, uh, what do you call it? Yeah. The mook killer, the minion killer. Yeah. 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 Don't, don't worry about it. You, you go, you go deal with, you, you go get the, the woman who's, who's trying to get the skeletons to rise up out of the ground. I'll deal with the skeletons. <laughs> yeah. 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 She can keep bringing them. I'm going to keep knocking them down. You right. just get to her. Like, yeah. cool. I'll so clear you a path. Yeah. Yeah. I will, I will clear Chitara a path to get to the spellcasters. <laughs> To take him down. And by the way, I can hide myself well enough that Lyudmilla is going to have a hard time spotting me to take me out. Yeah. You know, counter sniper, I might not be awesome at because Lyudmilla has the initiative from, you know, the deepest pits of hell. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know. Um, so, yeah, that is that is Richard Sharp, um, sharpshooter in... Uh, the the Georgian army uh, on the peninsula. Uh, he's wearing studded leather armor. Has an armor class of sixteen. Mm-hmm. Uh, each shot from his longbow does a D eight plus ten. And his backup weapon is a longsword, which is doing a D eight plus eight. Nice. So, so yeah, um, not too shabby. Yeah. In in the books, it's interesting to note he is. Obviously, he has to be a proficient rifleman in order to be in a rifle unit. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is the basically it's kind of insinuated he's the second best shot in his unit uh, after a a uh, poacher named Hagman uh, who who was forced to join the army or you know lose fingers for poaching back in England and uh, wound up becoming a sharpshooter. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, for our last one, I went cartoons. Okay. Uh, and uh, I didn't really think in terms of what the party would need, given what I'd already done. I thought more in terms of what would be a really fun character to make. Um, I think that this one should have a spot on just about any squad um, because of his versatility. Um, what we have here is an, a monk of the open hand, level four, and the rogue inquisitive, level 16. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, his name is Broadway. Okay. Do you remember Gargoyles? Gargoyles. Yes. Yeah. The fat one. Yeah. Yeah. 
I I realized what's that? Inquisitive. Yes, because if okay. you if you watch the cartoon, he falls in love with private investigator TV shows. Right. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yes. So I went all in. Um, so and and I found that when I was when I first watched it, of course, everybody loves Goliath, cool voice, main character. Yeah. I liked Brooklyn a lot because he was small and lithe. Um, my little brother liked okay. Lexington a lot because he was even smaller and did tech shit. Um okay. as I got older, I liked Hudson because he's this old salty veteran. But now I'm really, really appreciative of the different layers that that Broadway brings to the party. Okay. So, so here he comes. Uh, first off, he's an urchin, which is not yeah, surprising. Right. Um, personality traits: he eats like a pig uh, yeah. and has bad manners. Uh, okay. Oh, also, he knows city secrets. That's a a feature. Um, yeah. Community uh, have to take care of each other because no one else will, obviously. Okay. My yeah, town okay. is my home. I will fight to defend it. All right. Okay. Um, it's not stealing if I need it more. So, because he, he was not above mm-hmm. borrowing things. Okay, He'd yeah, feel bad, right. but, you know. Now, obviously, he is, his race is a gargoyle. I went and found a brew up of gargoyle race. Okay. So, what does that do? It basically gave According him a, to that brew up. It gave him a plus one, I think, uh, on con, and I think it gives him. It doesn't really give him much more. It gives him dark vision. Um, Does it give him a flight move? Because uh, that's that's the first thing I'm thinking of as right. being like you know something you're gonna have to figure out a way to reflect. Yeah, no, he does have a flight of forty. Um, okay, which matches his speed of forty because okay. he's a monk. Uh, yeah. so, um, yeah, he's got dark vision. He's got expertise. Uh, he put his expertise into, um, oh yeah. So yeah, he's rogue inquisitive first. Sorry. Uh, okay. he put his expertise into, uh, investigation and intimidation. Um, okay. yeah, and, uh, all makes perfect sense. Yep. And then later on he gets expertise again and I put those into perception and stealth. So, as far as his skills... I never thought of him as being particularly stealthy, but I suppose it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, pretty much all of them seem to have roughly the same strength, and all of them seem to have roughly the same ability to hide. Um, so, yeah. And he sneaks into Elisa's place a couple times. Okay. Yeah. Um, his his stealth is only a... Pl- well, his, his stats, uh, his strength is a, a, an 18, because he's a gargoyle. His yeah. dex is actually a 14. Um, okay. His con is a 20. His, okay. in, his intelligence is a 16. His wisdom is a 14. His charisma is a 12. So he's, he's pretty high-powered. Um, okay. His uh, skills, uh, the ones that you want to keep an eye on, intimidation, he gets, uh, let's see, 12 plus 1 is a 13. Uh, his investigation is a plus 20. Oh, wow. Okay. Because some stuff I gave him. Uh, his perception is a plus 19. Um, okay. Yeah. His passive wisdom is a plus 17. Like, and his stealth is a 12 because it's um, actually, he gets expertise in it. So it's actually 6, 12. It's a 13, 14. 
Yeah. So, okay. Uh, so he gets your standard thief package, right? And then we get to inquisitive. He has what's called the ear for deceit. And what that is, is that um, you get to make an insight check against someone who's lying. And you can't roll less than an eight. Okay. So, and then he also gets what's called eye for detail, which as a bonus action, um, you get perception uh, or investigation to find a hidden object or decode a clue. Okay. Uh, Then you also get insightful fighting uh, as you go up in levels. Um, as a bonus action, you use your insight versus their deception. And on a success, you can use sneak attack on your next attack on their, on them as a target. Um, you can do that. You can, and you can hold that sneak attack for about a minute. So, you know, if you don't want to hit them just yet. Yeah. 10 rounds later, you could still have done it. Yeah. And then your standard uncanny dodge evasion. I took observant. He can read lips, and he also gets the bonus mm-hmm. to his wisdom. Um, and uh, steady eye. Um, if I move at one half or less of my speed, I get an advantage on perception and investigation. It's a feat that I found in Tosh's, I believe. Okay. Um, or, no, actually, that might actually be uh, the final part of being the uh, the inquisitive. Um and then, so that means I could be flying along at 20 and notice lots and lots of stuff. Yeah, okay. That um, makes sense. Reliable talent. With my proficiency added, I can never roll less than a 10 on anything. Um, okay. And then, yeah, I took skilled, so he becomes a little bit more skill monkey. And then unerring eye. Uh, this is another inquisitive thing. Um, my action... Uh, uh, on an action, I can sense the presence of illusions, shape changers who are not in their original form, or other magic that would deceive the senses within thirty feet. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So I'm I'm the one that's like breaking through all the stuff and going nope, nope, nope. Um, also, I get blind sense if I can hear something, uh, or, or if if I'm capable of hearing, then I know when it, where an invisible creature is if it's within ten feet of me. Wow. Yeah. That's really powerful. Yeah. Um I, wow. I also have because that, yeah. that that eliminates a huge portion of the advantage for anybody trying to trying to get invisible around you. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we'll just park Damn. me at a door. Yeah. You know. Uh let's see what else. I have slippery mind. Uh, which is a high high end uh, rogue capability, mm-hmm. um, and I believe what it does is it keeps me from being able to be scared or, um, oh no no I just I get a uh, proficiency in wisdom saving throws that's what it is yeah, um and so that's that's all the the rogue stuff okay uh and okay. then we switch over to being an open hand monk. And I pretty much did it because step of the wind, um, is a monk trait as well as the way of the open hand, which is on a flurry of blows. I can make an enemy have to succeed on a deck save or be knocked prone. Um, or they have to make a strength save 
or they get pushed back 15 feet yep. or they simply have no reactions until the end of my next turn. Um, and then I get slow fall as well. So uh, also I took it because most of his weapons are unarmed. There's that one time that he used a gun and he shot Elisa by accident. Um, yeah. But most of his attacks are unarmed. So I gave him the ability to do unarmed strike with being a monk. I also gave him Savage Attacker because every gargoyle in that series was a Savage Attacker. Once per turn, yeah. I can re-roll an attack and keep either roll. Yeah. Um, his claws, I, I updated him to have... So he's got an unarmed attack at 1d4 plus 4. Uh, with if he attacks with his claws, it goes up to a d6 plus four and slashing. Okay. All right. Um, other than that, he has he only has 199 hit points. His initiative is only a plus two. His armor class is only a 14. But he is the non-combat character like crazy. He will get you through the plot. Yeah, he's so. he's the utility man. Mm-hmm. And for sure, yeah. he can he can hit pretty hard, and he can. You know, Ben Bars lift gates, you know? Yeah. So definitely. He's right. he's kind of the guy that cool. you want for that. So that and he was yeah. just really fun to make. I mean he's Broadway. He's he's yeah. cool. So Yeah. No, that works. So there, there you go. go. That's that's my yeah. my addition to the squad. So here's what's gonna happen. Right. Um in just a couple seconds, George is going to uh weigh in with his votes. Um I would like to know what you think our squad will be there's six six spots and mm-hmm. we have 11 people i'm i'm going i will go first i think that okay. he will pick mad madam mim yeah mim mim i think needs to be there i think like, that, yeah I, I think that he will pick jordy laforge yeah and and i think that he will pick um john carter yeah and I think yeah, that he will pick John... Dr. Watson. Okay. And I think that he will pick uh, Richard Riddick and Buffy Summers. I'm going to go out and say those. Okay. I think, uh, and I think that he will um, pick Jordy sentimentally more than he'll pick him rationally. But I think Jordy does deserve the fifth or sixth spot on that squad anyway. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. <clears throat> so I, who do you think, think he'll he'll pick? Uh, I definitely agree with Madam Mim. Mm-hmm. Definitely agree with John Carter. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely agree with Riddick. Mm-hmm. Uh, from a from a tactical standpoint mm-hmm. uh, or strategic standpoint, I think uh, having another cleric because we've got he's gonna. He's gonna go with Jordy for for as you say for sentimental purposes. I mm-hmm. think um, Jordy also has the advantage of as an artificer with the bonuses that he's able to get. He's a force multiplier. Yes. And so I think for for a practical reason that's a good one to go with. I think I do think he's gonna go with Doctor John Watson mm-hmm. because uh, Watson. Um, brings the, obviously more more of the healing to to the table to to help everybody out mm-hmm. and uh the uh the the controller kind of stuff that mm-hmm. that Watson is able to do by tripping people up and and the abilities that I chose with him disarming and all that stuff mm-hmm. uh, I think can be very useful mm-hmm. um so number six 
I'm wondering whether Chitara stands a chance for the same sentimental reasons. If if Chitara does, I think he'll be making a mistake in not choosing Buffy because Buffy has the uh, searching abilities. Um, like yeah. y- you need some sort of scout. Uh, yeah. And I think if yeah. he does take Chitara, I think that'll weaken the party. But I do think that you stand a 50-50 of him taking Chitara. Yeah. Yeah. And and sadly, uh, let's see, of, of all the characters I, I, I did, I'm proudest of Watson and Sharp, mm-hmm. uh, largely because of the way I managed to interpret them mm-hmm. from the source material. But I think mechanically Sharp just doesn't quite fit in with what we're trying to accomplish. Mm-hmm. Like as a, okay, in a fantasy setting, I'm going to recreate a rifleman from the Napoleonic era. Like Sharp is perfect. Like, yeah. oh, no, I'm going to kill the sergeant and then three of the dudes. Right. Like, and that's, and we're done. But for hunting down and killing, you know, Walt Disney's wrecking crew, <laughs> I don't think, I don't think that's, that's going to work. Sadly. Yeah. Well, uh, and, and, yeah, if if we're going, we're we're super power battling these guys. Um, yeah, I I also I just I think that um, we already have enough combaty people who can sk- cover distance. Yeah. Um, well, with with yeah. yeah with 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 Carter there. Right. I think Sharp you know. becomes redundant. Yeah. 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 So okay. So. It, we'll see what he does. That'll that'll yeah. be interesting. So that's that's coming up, um, in in just a couple seconds. Um, so here it comes. Hello, Geek Timers. This is producer George. Uh, deliberated. Uh, first, I actually want to recap and remind everyone that we chose last time was Ludmilla, Harriet Tubman, Sun Tzu, Ignatius, a Viking of the Bridge, and Mary Shelley. Where's the group that we chose of real-life historical figures to stat out. Now, with this new group, it took quite a bit of deliberation. I didn't want to go a direct one-for-one, but because they're not, like, answering one another. I see a lot of good overlap, especially between the characters created, but I'll do it kind of a one-to-one, and because it kind of explains why I chose them. Like, for Ludmilla, my counter is Chitara. She can bridge the gap, and she can hit her and stop her and keep her down, was part of the reason for that. Uh, Harriet Tubman, I, if I recall, chose for her survival and her ability to be able to go over terrain. Basically a help to the party, and so her counter I have is Jordy. So he can enhance everyone else to get them you know, to the goal of stopping this other group. Sun Tzu... We had a statistician and kind of a rogue type. Um, His counter is Riddick. Um, But he is also kind of a counter for the Viking on the bridge. But, you know, if you can get these others stopping them, then they can all kind of finish with him. Don't know. So that was was my choice for that. Um, For Ignatius, it was Dr. Watson, since he has the medical ability. And on top of that, you know, the icing on the cake is that he can fight <laughs> um, with his cane or what have you. So he can always help out in other or other fashions. The Viking on the bridge. I'm going to skip him because I still haven't fully decided yet. Um, but Mary Shelley, 
the kind of counter that I put, like I said, and they're not direct one-to-ones. I don't, you know, them fighting together is a pretty potent team. It would be Mad Madam Mim. Um, I liked her for her barriers. So even as, as people are attacking, she can prevent one person from getting to another so that you can deal with another, if that makes sense. With the different vines, the anti anti-life I can't remember the barrier um, but it prevented people from getting and that also attributed to Mary Shelley so that's why I also consider Dr. Watson and Jordy a counter to Mary Shelley both with their cleric ability abilities so the Viking on the bridge my debate is between Buffy uh, Broadway I know that's less uh, attacky so to speak doing Broadway but his help to the party out in the whole is very helpful John Carter uh, is a possibility with his strength and what have you but I think that can be covered by Buffy or or uh, or even Richard Sharp so yeah it's that's 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 the toughest call that last part to cinch everything together I think I'll go with Buffy. I know that's very monk-heavy, but uh, I think that would be a very successful against the uh, the others on this list, especially since a lot of them occupy multiple roles. Both Jordy and, and Dr. Watson are, like, you can't not have them because of their cleric and, and other enhancing abilities that they have. So, uh, what do you think? I know... It wasn't exactly what you speculated for me, but I think these choices are logical and uh, formidable. Well, okay, that's uh, that was George's choices. Um, there were some surprises in there for certain, uh, but yeah, I think we both nailed it on a few of them. So, yeah, well done, George. Thank you very much. Um, uh, so, uh, you know what? Let's just jump right out of it. Uh, Ed, where can people find you on the social medias? They can find me on the social medias at E.H. Blaylock on the Twitter mm-hmm. uh, and also E.H. Blaylock on uh, Instagram and uh, TikTok. If you really want to go looking, uh, you won't find much on TikTok, uh, but that's where you can find what little there is. Uh, and if everybody wants to, uh, you know, shout at us or shout at Producer George, don't shout at Producer George. He, he doesn't deserve that. Shout at us. Um, but if, if you really need to do that, uh, you can find us at geek history time on Twitter and where can they find you? You can find me at duh harmony, two H's in the middle, um, on the Twitter and on the Insta. You can also find me every Tuesday night, uh, on twitch.tv forward slash capital puns. Um, and, uh, you'll see me doing all kinds of puns, uh, for, for our show that's been going, uh, pretty dang strong. We're coming up on a hundred episodes of, of that. Uh, so wow. yeah. Um, hundred shows rather. Uh, Very cool. yeah. Um, and then, uh, you can also find me on, uh, there's a podcast called voyage of the page turner that I was on recently, uh, that I really, really enjoyed doing. Um, a lot of fun. And other than that, I think that's that's about all you can do. You can find me there. Um, so, yeah. All right. Well, for a geek history of time, I'm Damien Harmony, and I'm Ed Blaylock. And until next time, keep rolling twenties. <laughs>